M&K Talk YA now presents Recap of Season 2. everyone to another episode of M&K Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this week we didn't read anything. Just kidding. We read a lot of <laughs> stuff but nothing for the podcast. <laughs> this is our season two recap episode where we talk about all the books we read in the past year and all the books we read on the side that we didn't read for our podcast. <laughs> yeah, we did a lot this year. I actually, I should have recap or I should have looked back on I forget how much should we do season one do you remember how many books did we do yeah so for season one we read I have a whole book tracking list we read the lunar chronicles young elites red rising shadow and bones six of crows and a darker shade of magic so we read six series for season one okay and for season two we read daughter of smoke and bone winter song illuminae carve the mark Flame in the Mist, Red Queen, Warcross, and the Raven Boys. So we read eight series in our second season. Yeah. Wow. Three of the series this season had short stories too. So we read 22 full books and seven short stories this year. That's amazing. And that was just for the podcast too, because Mm -hmm. how many books did you read this year total? I am currently reading my 72nd book of the year. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I read 65, which I thought... I was happy with that. No, My challenge that I put myself too. on Goodreads was 52, so I surpassed that. But 72 is pretty amazing. My family makes fun of me. I always do 52 as my goal because I'm like, as long as I'm reading, like, on average a book a week, I'm going to feel okay about things. Yeah. But I always, ex- like, so 72 is the most books I've read since I started tracking on Goodreads a year. So, like, I'm really trying to finish the book I'm reading now, which is a book of poetry and should be pretty quick and like try and squeeze in one more in the next like 36 hours if I can <laughs> so I can like read the most books ever. But I've read the most pages I've ever read this year oh. since I started tracking. So I've Did read... Did we track how many? Yeah. This this year we read 10,356 pages in books and 264 pages in short stories. So for that's... the podcast. Yeah, for the podcast. Wow. And I personally read 24,736 pages this year. <laughs> but my, so Goodreads does a lot of tracking for you. Like if you use, I love Goodreads. It, you can like rate all your books and keep track of when you read them. And it does some fun things if you care. But my shortest book technically was a podcast book. And my longest book was a podcast book. So Warstorm is the longest book I read this year. It was oh. 662 pages. Wow. And... Because it can't, it counted as a book, I realize now, and I feel like I'm cheating, but whatever. It, I still read a lot of pages. My shortest book was the Foxway Holiday piece, which was only two pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still I count short stories as books too, but I, I feel justified because there's also books that I read that I don't put on Goodreads, so I'm kind of like, eh, it evens out. Well, and I just, I've, I've always done it, so I feel like at least comparing to previous years, it's like... The 72 I read a few years ago probably also included a handful of short stories or whatever. Mm-hmm. So 
I just like it. Whatever. It's it's just for me and bragging rights. Still read all those pages. <laughs> and and the most popular book that I read this year, according to like overall, Ooh, can I guess? Good re- yeah, guess. Warcross. It was Red Queen. Really? Yeah. That was the most popular book because didn't Warcross win something? Um, I thought it won like the Goodreads Award for like best. Well, okay, so I guess most popular is actually most people read it on Goodreads. So 470,616 people also read Red Queen and tracked it on Goodreads this year. Wow. And the highest rating, highest rated book I read on Goodreads with a 4.58 average rating was a um, podcast book. What do you think that one was? With the highest rating? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess Warcross again. It was Obsidio. Really? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I love that series. I love but. that series. I think I gave it um, at least one five stars. But I, I also, I always think it's interesting when it's not the first book in a series that has the highest. Yeah, rating. and isn't that was that the that was the that third was one, the last one, yeah, the third one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, should we rank the series that we read this year from our favorite to our least favorite? Yeah, we should. Okay. Uh, it's always so hard. I feel like it's easier to pick out like my strongest ones. So I think my my least favorite was Winter Song. Really? Okay. I know you liked it more than I did, but my least favorite was Red Queen. Actually, <laughs> I liked Red Queen. I think Red Queen would be in my top half, probably. Really? Oh, that's good because it was very long. <laughs> I think my favorite was still Daughter of Smoke and Bone, and I know I had read it before, but I just I love that series so much. That was my number one too, actually. Um, my number one was Daughter of Smoke and Bone. My least favorite was Red Queen. And then I'm trying to think in the middle. So after Daughter of Smoke and Bone, I'd probably put The Raven Boys. I think I'd put Illuminae second. I think Illuminae would be my third. Raven Boys might be my third. And, so we're yeah. close there. And then after Illuminae, I would put Warcross. I think I'd put Red Queen, but I know you didn't like it as much. And then Warcross. Wait, I'm trying to remember. Carve the Mark. Did I like that one? <laughs> I didn't like that one very much. I think I liked Flame of the Mist better than Carve the Mark. And then I would do Winter Song as my second least favorite. And then Red Queen would be my least favorite. I I'm try- I can't really remember between Carve the Mark and Flame of the Mist which one I liked more. Because I, I like completely different things about them. I honestly don't remember Carve the Mark all that well. Which I don't think is good. The only thing I really remember about it is like the current gift and the plants that eat you. Like they're carnivorous plants. That's all I really remember. Yeah. Well, I remember being really like obsessed with the uh, prophecy oh, stuff yeah. and like having an issue with that because I always have an issue with that. But surprisingly, the Raven Boys didn't bother me as much, even though there was a little bit of that. I think because they embrace so much that it like, you know, don't put too much stock in it because we don't know the context. Yeah. And, and also, like Raven Boys just had such a great humor to it, whereas Carve the Mark was just very serious. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. that helped a lot. It just kind of like lightened the mood and it made the prophecies like not as stuffy, I guess. And it's so not fair, actually, because based on what I've read right before, right after, or I'm reading in my own time or like what's going like different books, just depending on when you read them will go off better or worse. I feel like, you know, and I think in part carve the mark. I wanted my expectations were so much higher because. Mm. I like the author already versus the Raven Boys. I think I had like no expectations going in. So I was pleasantly surprised. So I also Mm. like it's kind of interesting to think about that stuff. That's a good point. Because I've read books that I didn't like and then have gone back and reread them and have liked them. 
Yeah. I think it depends too on like what you read before because if you really liked the book you read before, it's really it's hard. hard. Yeah. If it doesn't live up to it, yeah. Which didn't help Winter Song any because we had just read Daughter of Smoke and Bone. But... Oh, that's true. And that's probably true. did help Illuminae because I was like, oh, this is better than that. <laughs> Winter Song just wasn't my kind of book, anyways. Like it wouldn't be something I would have picked up on my own. So I'm glad I read it because it was outside of my like normal comfort zone. But I don't think it's something I would have read outside of the podcast. I, I it, it definitely is something that I would have read outside the po- the podcast because I love gothic romance, but I didn't really like the way it was written or like the plot was kind of. And I'm also I'm like not very into fairies. I think I I've come to realize that like the fae, the world of the fae doesn't do it for me at all. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Um, should we say what we liked best and least about each series? Okay, starting. Let's with... start with the. F- Daughter of Smoke and Bone, because that was the first one I read. Oh my goodness. I just, I love everything about it. I don't even know. I I think what I like least, I don't even know. I don't know what I like least. I just feel like I like everything, but I, it's also been like far enough away and I just like have this, you know, I like put it on a pedestal, so it's not fair, but I, I like the way she writes. I think I like her mm-hmm. like use of words the best. And I yeah. think while I liked a lot of the romance in the a lot of the couples in the series, I didn't really like the main couple, and I can't even think of their names right now. Karu and yeah. Kiva? Yeah, I liked like, all the other couples better than them. Oh, that's interesting. Because I was going to say, uh, Karu and Kiva are probably my favorite couple in all the books we've read this, this season. I think Zuzanna and... Ugh. What's his name? Mick. I like them. I, they yeah. were cute, but they were also just like that disgusting couple that everyone knew growing up that were just like attached to each other's hip and like I love Susanna but I feel like watching her and Mick would get very annoying very fast (laughs) it would I also loved um the other one the uh Akiva sister and oh oh Laraz and uh Zuri yeah I like that one a lot more too I don't know I don't really have anything that I'm like trying to pull something out I loved Daughter of Smoke and Bone I think the thing that I didn't like was um I didn't really like the end with the monsters that came through because I thought that just kind of came out of nowhere and didn't really make sense with the meaning of the entire story of how like the word monster is very subjective. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like that all of a sudden we were forced to believe that there were these horrible monsters that were attacking everyone. Um, So Mm -hmm. I really didn't like that ending. But other than that, it was definitely my favorite book that we read this season. And I think it was far and away the most beautifully written. I think Lonnie Taylor is yeah. an extraordinary writer. And I think her writing is really beautiful. And that's like whenever you get a book that has not only great characters and a great plot, but also is beautifully written, that really sets a book apart for me. Because there's so many YA books that have like a great Agreed. plot or great characters. Mm-hmm. Like Marie Lu is a great example. She's like, a, she's such good world building skills her characters are amazing but I wouldn't say her writing is especially wonderful or or memorable even Mm -hmm. yeah there's something just beautiful about the way she writes I agree that's one of my that that would be my favorite thing Mm -hmm. and I really admire that okay winter song okay this one I have the opposite (laughs) problem you have to say something you liked about it (laughs) um I think I liked the use of music in it I thought that was kind of cool oh that was what I was gonna pick (laughs) (laughs) Um, what else did I like? I liked, I mean, I liked that it was different than a lot of the stuff we've read. Like I said, it was yeah, like kind of outside true. of my comfort zone, but I, 
appreciate, I'm glad it was only a duology, but I appreciated reading something that I wouldn't have picked up normally. Like, even though I didn't end up liking it, I feel like it was a good experience for me as a reader. That's good. I, I think I, I liked the, um, I liked the, the concept of it, of like being taken into a dream world and like the two very distinct worlds of like above ground and below ground and kind of like how they blurred. I liked that concept quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say it was an especially gripping story for me. And I think I didn't really feel f- attached to any of the characters, especially. Agreed. Um, for sure. But yeah. But I did like all the music references. And I liked the, um, like, her handmade fairies and how kind of creepy they were. Mm-hmm. And how they would change. I liked that. I think there could be some really interesting visuals with that one, too. Like, you oh, could make yeah. it a really cool movie or whatever um okay illuminate files uh my favorite thing was probably how the story was told i just thought that was so unique and i thought it worked really really well Mm -hmm. and some books like that that style doesn't work sometimes and i think you're right it really worked for this one and like i loved how you Mm -hmm. had to like turn the book sometimes to read the the way the words are written and it was just very exciting to read because of the format. And that one, was that the one that was written by two people? Yeah. which is I thought that was kind of a cool thing, too, even just reading about that approach. I, lo- I That's one of my favorite things when we research and read all these different stories and all these different authors is I love hearing the different ways people come up with ideas or their different writing styles or, you know, like what routines they create or whatever. Like, So I thought that was kind of interesting to read something written by two people. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that type of collaboration because, like, I think you have to really be <clears throat> the type of person who's not a control freak because mm-hmm. essentially, like, you're writing something, handing it off to someone, and then they send it back to you. And I'm sure they come up with strange things that you're like, huh, okay. And you kind of just have to give them give them their creative freedom to come up with something fun and original while having your own kind of creative say. And then, like, reacting to that, like, not knowing what... Yeah. yeah I think I think that's... I, I really like that. I would love to just, like, see their process, how they did it. And I think they were in different physical places, too. Like, I think they were emailing back and forth or something. So, it's just... Yeah, yeah it's really interesting. <laughs> I think it would be really hard to find the right partner for a project like that. Oh, yeah. I, t- I 100% agree. Because you'd have to have someone who's, like, similar enough to your style that it doesn't sound disjointed but also someone who you trust their ideas right yeah that's adding something without yeah messing up your own process I think the least thing I liked about Illuminae was um I just liked that we had like four power couples and all of them were straight people like there could have been an opportunity to be a little bit more diverse or a little bit more inclusive and all of the couples were pretty much the same it was like a strong boy, a strong girl. Yeah. I don't know. It was just kind of, that was a bit of a letdown for me. Yeah. Also, character-wise, I would say Aiden was one of my favorite characters we met. Oh my gosh, yes. But my least favorite thing about Illuminate, the thing that's like standing out in my mind, and it's such a small thing really, but I did not like the like multi-dimensions in the second book when it was like, oh, someone died. Oh wait, they actually like were in a different dimension. Oh, and yeah. that like. I like I'm okay it kind of goes back to my prophecy like it felt like too clean happy like okay too easy yeah I guess out. somewhere there's someone who's still alive I don't know yeah <laughs> I, I agree it it kind of made this 
it, it made you less um, nervous for the people because you were like, well, if that can happen, then if anyone dies from here on out, I'm not going to be worried about them. Exactly, yeah. So it kind of lowered the stakes. Okay, carve the mark. Mm. What did I like about this book? Uh, I liked the carnivorous plants and the descriptions of all the different planets. Yeah, I would say the world building was pretty interesting from like a world standpoint. The setting I thought was cool. Um, I don't think I felt really strongly for any of the characters, though. No, they were boring. Mm-hmm. And the plot was boring. Like, I wouldn't... Yeah. I it, That was a book that I just... I wouldn't recommend to anyone. I think there were a couple... Not, like, Daughter of Smoke and Bone level, but I think there were some well-written pieces to it, though. Mm. I think I remember that, but I can't remember specifics, so I could be wrong. I do remember um, thinking the arena battlefield... Not battlefield, but, like, the gladiator arena scenes were kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that's always kind of been fascinating to me, too. So I liked that she included that element. I also, I like the sibling relationship mm-hmm. stuff. And I thought they, there was some of that, although I wish it had been developed a little bit more. But I really struggle with prophecy stuff. And that book didn't impress me on that, on that standpoint. And didn't we also call the, um, like, the big twist, like, how the siblings were swapped? Didn't we see yeah. that coming? Which yeah. is kind of like, I don't, I don't really like when I can see twists coming because that ruins the fun for me. Yeah, or at least you want to, like, find out, like, the chapter before, not like, okay, we know it's coming, let's yeah. get there already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Okay, Flame in the Mist. Um, I liked that we were, like, exposed to a completely different, like, it, w- it was a different world than we're used to, too. Like, it was, um... Oh, yeah, you know, like Feudal Japan. The Feudal Japan. Yep. Yeah, I haven't read much based in that, and I thought that was really interesting. I agree. I also love, like, the woman-becoming-warrior-type stories a yes, little bit. Yes, so. that was my mm-hmm. favorite part. Like, the the girl who isn't... I mean, and that's whatever. That's, a, like, a trope of, like, the girl who no one really expects much of her, but then she transforms into, like, a really strong person, and she becomes a warrior. Um, but I love that trope. Like, I, I know. I think it that's it works for trope. me. It works for me, yeah. So <laughs> I, I really, really liked that. And I loved it being set in a world that was a little bit different. Because um, so many are either in, like, a second world fantasy or it's, like, Europe, you know, some kind of medieval Europe feel. Yep. And um, I felt kind of similarly about how I, how I did about... Um, the Shadow and Bone trilogy because that was set in like a second world Russia and so mm-hmm. I I agree with you I think the fact that it was in feudal Japan was really different and really um exciting yeah and even made the research fun yeah stuff yeah but I didn't like the magic that was the, the one complaint I had I had about this book I I didn't think the magic really brought anything to the book I think it could have been better if it was just if there had been no magic involved at all and I think that I liked a lot of the secondary characters and didn't feel like I got enough of them. Like, I yes. think more than the primary characters, I liked a lot of the secondary characters, but didn't quite get enough of the, like, satisfaction of knowing how they ended up or that they, you know, conclusion for them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay, Red Queen. What did I, I'm trying to think what I liked about this. I liked the different houses, and I liked learning about how each house had like a specific set of powers and how people called upon those powers and like seeing those powers play out 
Um, I, I also really liked the idea of the Queen's trial. I thought that was kind of uh, a different way of, you know, they, they, there's so many books that are about, like, women competing for a prince or whatever, which is a trope that's not not really great. But the way she, she did it here, where it was, like, basically we're showing how skillful we are and how powerful we are and, like, showing off their skills instead of it just being, like, a beauty pageant, I really did like that. Yeah. It's not about winning the boy. It's about winning the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's about showing you have the power to rule. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, a, a, it was a nice way to, like, break, like, nod towards that trope, but break it. And make it more, like, feminist. I liked, there was a lot of betrayal in it, which I liked. And I really liked a lot of the secondary characters here. And I think it took a little while to get, like, I don't think we got their perspective until, was it book three or book two? (laughs) Yeah, we didn't get to hear from Maven's perspective for a long time. Yeah, and um, Evangeline, I really liked her Mm -hmm. perspective. Um, And I really, I think once we got into that, I liked it a little bit more. I thought it was pretty predict like I sort of knew it wasn't super super unique and I totally understand what you were saying when we were reading it about you know we're always trying to save the world and yada yada but and it's just such a big vast idea yeah and it gets tiresome yeah (laughs) for me it doesn't I think I think the series was a little bit long like yeah it could have been so much shorter it maybe didn't have to be four books and maybe some of those books could have been a little bit shorter but I liked like the cast of characters and I thought there were a lot of well-developed mm. secondary characters especially towards the second half. I definitely think Maven and Evangeline were great characters who and memorable characters which I appreciated but I think there were too many characters and I started getting confused because I wasn't sure like which characters we would see again and which ones were going to be important and I think it, it was just a little confusing for me to follow. And I think that goes back to, I like that she was showing different perspectives, but the voice wasn't unique enough for the different perspectives. So it was hard when we switched perspectives in a chapter, especially if we were in the same scene or the same whatever, I'd be like, wait, why is she upset about that? Oh, that's a different character. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I, agree. Uh, I think if the voices had been a little bit more distinct, it might have been a little bit smoother in that sense. That happened to me with Carve the Mark too. I kept forgetting who was talking. <laughs> That's true. I forgot that that one, yeah. Okay, Warcross. World building. Yeah, the world building. It's I mean, Marie Lou is so good at that. She knocks it out of the park. And the characters, I really liked Emika, and I really liked Tadeo, and um, I mean, just the visuals that she gave of the Warcross games and being in that virtual reality world, it's, it's so fun and it's so unique, and it would make such a great movie. Yeah. There were, do you follow her on Instagram? She's oh, been... Yeah. She draw, you know, she's also an artist, or her husband is, or they both are, or something. But it's been fun to watch. Uh, she posts like pictures of what she thinks of certain when she draws certain characters or whatever. Yeah, I love her Instagram. And they're expecting a baby, right? I know. Yeah, I think I texted you that. It was like, <laughs> I find this text. It was like I looked, at, I looked back on it. And I was like, you sound so creepy and weird, Marissa. Because <laughs> it was like, oh. <laughs> You were talking about how you saw a psychic, and you oh, were yeah. like, and you were like, oh, yeah. James and I are doing a couples reading, and then I was like, what's a couples reading? And then you were like, like with a psychic, I don't know what to expect from the couples part, but James and I will both be there. And then I was like, oh my god, that's awesome! You'll have to know, let me know what he says. And then I said, I think Marie Lou is pregnant. It's <laughs> just like completely unrelated to anything. <laughs> oh my goodness, I forgot. I haven't told you about my psychic reading though. 
Oh, well, we're talking about Raven Boys next, so. Okay, okay, we'll wait till we get there. What didn't you like about Warcross? Um, I think it got a little bit weird at the end with, like, the consciousness and the... I don't... There, there's just something about at the end, I feel like it. I was got lost. Yeah, I agree, with Suzuki and the Project Zero. It got, like, a little bit too out there. Yeah. yeah. It lost me a little bit, too. And it kind of tied up too neatly, like... There weren't as bad consequences as I expected there were to be. And sometimes it's like, oh, perfect endings. Yeah, they're great and all, but are they realistic? I don't know. I think that actually would have been um, an interesting opportunity in the story would be to take someone like completely outside of that group of game players and game masters and like have just someone like in a different country who has the lenses like I don't know like someone else like watching Mm. all this happen Mm -hmm. kind of perspective or something would have been sort of interesting and to your point like some like really bad stuff happened and then it was just kind of like we're gonna recreate this technology and make it great this time which like you know that's not gonna happen (laughs) yeah yeah I agree with that okay Raven Boys uh honestly for me the best part about this book was how funny it was Like, we haven't really read that many books that had a great sense of humor, and the humor in this was so effortlessly done and so Mm -hmm. well integrated into the book. Like, sometimes you read things where it's like, okay, the author is really trying to be funny here. And, like, Maggie Stiefvater just nailed it. She nailed the humor. And it wasn't like one character was funny. It was just like her writing was funny. Yes. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't... Sometimes I feel like you'll get, like, the comedic person in the group or something. Yeah. But... Yeah, I agree. She she really did the humor well. Have you read anything else by her yet? I know you yeah, talked about. Yeah, so I read um, the Scorpio races right after we finished the Raven Boys, and I loved it so <laughs> much. I gave it five stars, which I hardly ever do. Um, okay, I'll have to check it it's out. It's such a cool story. It's it. She. I was reading a little bit about how she wrote it. She's been wanting to write a story about water horses, like the mythical water horses, for like a really long time. And there's a lot of different legends about them. Um, so it's, it's like about this different world where there are these water horses and people capture them and then train them to race. And it's just like, it's a beautiful story. It's there, there's like really sad parts. There's like parts where you're cheering, like you have the whole gamut of emotions and it's also like beautifully written too. Okay. I'll have to check it out. I'll add it to my list. I loved it. It was one of my favorite books, favorite non-podcast books I read this year. Awesome. What was your least favorite thing about the Raven Boys? Um, the least favorite thing was sometimes I think the book felt a little all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. I think there were some scenes that were hard to follow. And I mean, I, I never knew what to expect, which was kind of good because it always kept you on your toes. But at the same time, it was such a whirlwind. I was just like, oh my God, what is happening? Like, what is going on yeah. right now? And it was it was so out there that sometimes it was hard for me to like reel it back in and kind of wrap my mind around it. But at the end of the day, um, I really enjoyed reading it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is one of my top ones too. I think kind of along the same lines, my least favorite thing was I couldn't really understand the rules of this world because I feel like they kept changing or they kept getting broken. Mm. And in some ways that was good because it was exciting, but in other ways I was like, I can't even predict what's going to happen because like randomly like someone can be asleep for 600 years cursing a family and like that's just, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and then there's like, there were three sleepers but we never really figured out who they were, Mm -hmm. which kind of felt unsatisfying to me. Yeah. so there were some bits and bobs that I wish had tied together a little bit more cleanly, um, just to make it a little bit more of a satisfying read. Yep. 
Okay, so tell me about your couple's experience. So, yeah, the whole time we read The Raven Boys, I debated going to see a psychic, and I could never convince anyone to go with me. So my future stepbrother-in-law was in town, and we took him up to Sedona, which, as I've mentioned before, is like a (laughs) vortex world or whatever. And he uh I was like oh while you're here you should see a psychic and he was on board so I was like perfect and we convinced James to go see a psychic with me so we did a couple's reading um and I actually I totally forgot I should have sent this to you earlier I did like a two-minute interview with my with Alex afterwards because his story was kind of crazy so I'll send that to you um but uh yeah I mean it was a little bit creepy but also kind of cool the lady it was a lady psychic and she like was rubbing a crystal the whole time and like looking over mm. our heads and it was just like had like I was kind of glad James was with me because I'm just I don't know easily spooked but uh she said like all mostly really positive stuff so as much as I'm like oh I hope she's right and maybe she totally believed that I'm also like that's what anyone who comes in yeah. as a couple would want to hear like that we were like our guardian angels were behind us and they had been mm. I forget what phrase she used but basically like we were supposed to be together yeah. and <laughs> You know, that kind of stuff, which is like, yay, like, I feel that way too. But also, like, maybe it's true, but in some ways it's like, that's what you would want to hear. So, I don't know. Did she say anything that surprised you? She, well, so, this will be interesting. After my wedding, she said that the wedding's going to go smooth except for a small mishap with a shoe. A shoe? Oh, that's interesting. So, I'll have to make sure all my bridesmaids are keeping track of my shoes and their shoes or something. But, um... Huh. And then she said something about, because she said a lot of it's still free will, but there were like, I don't remember how she phrased it, but basically like she could see that there were kids in our future or like if we wanted them. She basically said like there's two like waiting, but like it's still free will if you want. Like you don't have to have any kids or you could just have one. And then she goes, nope, you can't just have one. It'll be two or none or something oh my so God, I'm like have twins. I know so I'm curious and twins run in my family so it's possible anyways so I thought that was interesting and then oh well she like knew about Toby and she was talking about Toby needing a friend or something like um, she was like is there also like a cat or something else smaller like I can't see it as well and we're like no she goes well maybe it's like a future dog like do you think you mm. might get or something I don't know and I mean so it was all like nothing that was like totally like oh my goodness she like totally saw through some you know it was all it was all pretty positive it was we'll see if something happens with the shoe and if I have twins I can't but, wait to see if something like that happens yeah. that's so fascinating I'm gonna be like paying attention to everyone's shoes now <laughs> I know right yeah um but it was a cool experience and like I said mostly positive but you'll have to listen to this I'll send you the recording I did with Alex because he was like totally creeped out he walked in and thought she like totally nailed him and like knew all this stuff that she couldn't possibly know and I was relieved like she told him completely different stuff than she told us so it wasn't like you know just like oh everyone gets this is what yeah yeah. oh but so yeah did I tell you I finally traveled a ley line in Chicago no how did that go (laughs) it was fine um (laughs) did you find any sleeping kings or anything I didn't. And oh. I didn't. But something did kind of happen that was kind of funny. So there's the ley line along the red line in Chicago. And I was taking the red line recently. And I was re- remembering that it was on a ley line. So I was like trying to really like tune into my inner psychic and try to experience something. And I didn't experience anything except when I went to transfer, I caught the um, Chicago holiday train for the first time ever. Oh. Oh, I've never caught it. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. It was 
it was nuts. It was so overwhelming. I like almost had a panic attack on this train because it was like you go in like there's lights all over the outside of the train. You go inside and there's people dressed up like elves like handing out candy. It looks like Christmas threw up inside the train. They're like blasting Christmas carols. And then there's this portion of the train where they like take one of the cars away and there's just a standing platform between the two trains. And Santa's there just like sitting in a sleigh with fake reindeer, but he's completely exposed. Like he's outside the rails just like between oh the tra- between the two two cars. And I was just thinking of him like zooming through the tunnels and how freezing it would be. And I was just like, this is awful. Like that poor, poor man. <laughs> he's, he's magical, Marissa. It's I guess okay. he doesn't feel the cold. But it was just, um, <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot to experience after at like 7 p.m. on a random Thursday. <laughs> I've always wanted to see it at least, but I never saw it. That's kind of a cool, that, that was your ley line. Magic, yeah. My... Experience, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so do we want to talk about our favorite non-podcast books that we read this year? Oh, yeah. What were yours? What were some of yours? Okay, so I really, I mean, obviously I liked the Scorpio races. I also just finished The Jewel by Amy Ewing. It's The series is called The Lone City, and I read all of them and all the short stories, and I really, really liked it. Um, it kind of reminds me of a cross between The Selection and The Handmaid's Tale. Ooh, those are two of my favorites. Yeah, it's like, it's about these girls who are like selected to be surrogates for the very wealthy, like the royals in the city. And it's kind of funny because it had the trope that I hate where it's like, we're going to overthrow the entire society. But it was also just like a really well thought out book. And the plotting was excellent. The characters were fun. And... I thought the world building was actually really, really great and, like, really clever. That's awesome. So I definitely would recommend that one. Um, I also read... Well, I read Tonda French's new book, which I love everything she writes. And if you like mysteries, I'd definitely recommend that one. Oh, I read... Okay, I loved this series. I read all of the the Paper Magician series. Oh, yeah. And there's a bu- there's four of them, and they were so delightful to read because they were they were short they were like 300 pages max um but the magic system was really neat and tidy but also extremely clever and I loved that she was able to like create this very put together world that had a magic system that made sense and it was simple but not you know not like childish like Uh it was very sophisticated but also just like really easy to interpret and the books were just completely charming I, I loved it so much that's great I will check some of these out I haven't read any of, oh I did read the Tana French one but I haven't read any of the other ones okay um and then the last books that I read that I really really liked were um I read a lot of Rainbow Roll Roll this year so I read uh I read Carry On I read Fangirl I read Eleanor and Park and her books are so good and they're so funny did you read that one about the landline phone or something i didn't okay. read that That's, one no. i remember reading that one and i read eleanor and park i did like that one a lot i remember um you should definitely read carry on and fangirl i laughed out loud reading carry on like bursting out laughing it was so funny so yeah those are my favorite this year awesome what about you okay i'm looking at my list i'm trying to remember i feel like i've maybe i've talked about some of these but Michling was one of my favorite books this year by affinity konar it was about twins at Auschwitz who were being like experimented Ooh. on. 
Oh, gosh. It's fiction, but it was really, really well written. I'm adding it to my Goodreads. It was really good. I mean, it was heavy, obviously, based on that. But it's fiction, but it's, you know, it, it's it's really good. It's like historical fiction, it seems like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also just very... It's another one of those where it's, the writing was just really beautiful to me. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like poetry almost reading parts of it. Or, you know what I mean? Like, just... Yeah. It was just really well written. Uh, the Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne was another one I really liked. It was... Like, it was really long, and it talked, it was this um, boy growing up in Ireland, and then, like, every hundred pages or something, it would, like, skip ahead ten years, so it was over this guy's whole life, Mm. and I just thought really interesting, and I don't want to say too much, because I forget when certain things are revealed, but just, uh, you know, you see Ireland kind of progressing in the background, or in the, as part of the context, but it's also a good character story. Mm. I really like that one. Well, you gave it five stars. I did, Yeah. And then I read An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green, which I didn't know. It's going to be two books. The first one just came out this year. He's John Green's brother. Mm. But I, if I had known the second one wasn't out yet, I would have waited. And especially I would maybe recommend waiting until just because of how it ends a little bit. But I thought it was really unique and really... It sounds kind of weird, but it was also just... Um, so basically, this girl sees this strange object in the street one day and she thinks it's an art installation and she takes like a video and posts it and it ends up being like these things appeared all over the world and they don't know where they came from and she becomes like a YouTube sensation or something and sort of so it's like kind of talking about social media and it's also talking about the unknown and it's just I like her voice a lot and I just thought it was a really fun read um and then the last one I would say I just read this one this week it's called Friday Black it's a collection of short stories. I actually met the author at one of those book events I went to a few weeks ago. But um, every single short story I think could have been made into like a really interesting book. And it was a lot of a lot about race, a lot of like kind of political commentary, but all, you know, taken to it's sort of like reminded me of like Black Mirror a little bit mm. in terms of just like, I mean, you know, sort of taking these ideas that are realistic, but like pushing them to sort of an extreme. And it's like, so it's sort of like, oh, this isn't real life, but it's like, this could be real life in 10 years oh, or okay. something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I just thought his, the wording was really clever. Everything made me think a lot. And I don't know. I just, I was really impressed with it. And the cover is really pretty too. Hmm. I'm going to check but those out. I think those would be some of my top books this year. And I read, this one's really late, but I read it really fast and I was entertained. One Day in December. Oh. It was like a rom-com book, but um, it follows like these two people over 10 years as their friendship changes and whatnot and they the first time they saw each other the girl looked out the bus window and they like made eye contact and she like decided he was her soulmate and then it's like them figuring things out over 10 years but it was cute that's kind of fun sometimes you need like a light-hearted book to mix things yeah except then the next book I read it was called no exit it was you would probably like it. This girl shows up at a rest stop and there's like a blizzard. So she has to stop there and there's like four strangers at this rest stop. And she notices a kid like locked up in the back of one of the cars. So she thinks someone's been abducted and she's like trying to figure out which of the, like, it's just, but it like, it gets like kind of crazy. And it was like completely the opposite. They were both like these like December holiday books or whatever. (laughs) One is like, oh, like, Ooh, this looks I good. Saw someone off a bus, and I'm in love. And then the other one's like crazy. <laughs> okay, I just added that to the list too. I'm I do love mysteries. I've been reading a lot of mysteries lately. 
I read um, In a Dark, Dark Wood. I read The Woman in the Window this year. And I just started reading The Woman in Cabin 10, which is so good. Oh, I've heard really good things about that one. I haven't read that one yet. It's like, I have to stop myself from reading it because I'm like, I want to make it last longer, you know? Yeah. I still want you to read the um, Strike novels, the uh jk rowling pen name oh, one again I know. but i know you didn't like the first one i didn't so. like the cuckoo's calling i just thought it was i i tried to read it i got like maybe halfway through and i got so bored i don't know why maybe i just didn't read it at the right time i think if you're in the mood for a mystery novel it's not like 100 percent. it's not like a mystery i mean it is a mystery but it's not just about that like there's a lot of like the character develop you know it's a lot mm-hmm. of this other stuff happening too whereas um no exit was like every chapter like something crazy happening. yeah like, i like what that. <laughs> well guess what's coming out january 29th which one <laughs> king of scars oh i already i've it's, i've already pre-ordered it Me i'm too. so excited <laughs> I, that's probably the book i'm looking forward to most uh to read this year i just cannot wait uh, me too I, I, but I'm like also nervous for it because I like love him so much. I'm like, don't ruin it. <laughs> I'm sure she was really nervous writing it too because it has to feel like so much pressure, like dedicating an entire series to a character that every person freaking adores. <laughs> like that, I can't imagine how scary that is as a writer, like trying not to let down your fans. Yeah. But I'm sure I'll love it, so I'm not worried. I, I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm just excited to even go back into this world, even without yeah. that. But obviously, especially excited because it's him. And I'm excited for all the books we're going to read this coming season. I think um, we've got a really good lineup, and we got some new releases coming out that we're going to follow, and some old authors, some new authors. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. So, what are our? What do you want to? What are you hoping for for season three of MNK Talk YA? Well, I would like to bring back our super fan Sundays. Yes. Because um, we just didn't do it at all this year. <laughs> oh my goodness. We, this year, i It was a tough year. <laughs> and mostly, you've been amazing. Like, I'm so thankful for you this year because I've been in and out of hospitals, like, moving across the country. I, like, have had no time for this and... Planning a I'm wedding. I'm so glad that we bought a house, made it happen. Yeah, it's just <laughs> me but, too. But um, you've carried a heavy load for this season to happen, so I really appreciate it. No worries. I mean, I I love doing this so much, so it doesn't feel like a job to me. Um, <laughs> but I do want to bring back the Super Fan Sundays. We have um, like four people who I've talked to who are really interested in doing it, so we just need to make that happen. So that's going to be my goal for this year. I've been trying to be better too, because I love Goodreads and I've seen people like my friends that I'm not super close to reading some of these books so I've been like commenting more about like mm. oh if you liked it so I think I have some super fans we can maybe bring in also oh that'd be great um well I have a joke for you this week okay our final joke of the season what our final joke of the season I know you know what okay this joke is a joke that my little cousin Isalina told me over Christmas Eve okay um and I, I laughed really really hard okay why was the broom late? Um, swept under. I don't. Know. I don't know why. <laughs> because it overswept. <laughs> <laughs> she had this like whole book of jokes and riddles that she brought for New Year's Eve, and I was like, "Girl, you need to sit down and tell me every single one." <laughs> How old is she? Five. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. She was very entertained by it, and I was just as entertained as she was. <laughs> <laughs> Equally like entertained. Five-year-old, yes. like really bonding over this book of jokes. 
Well, it's funny. We were watching home videos over Christmas, and we, like, saw my dad telling my sister and I at, like, age four and two the same jokes Aww. he still tells us. And we were, like, dying, cracking up. And he's like, you guys used to think I was funny. <laughs> no, we're like, <laughs> we're like, we still do, Dad. We just know the punchline now. <laughs> Since we've heard them our entire lives. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, um, speaking of funny things, we're also going to release a bloopers reel which is something we've never done before. We're going to release that um, the first week of January, I think. Maybe second week of January, depending on how it goes. Um, <laughs> just to kind of show some of the things we edit out and like how difficult it can be sometimes to have a podcast and um, a full-time job and a busy life. Well, and I think we keep in a, a lot of things where we do kind of dumb stuff, but there's even more times when I just like completely... Yeah say something wrong or we both yeah yeah or like the dogs are barking (laughs) or it's it's gonna be funny so yeah keep on a lookout for that Alrighty, and we will see you next year yeah happy new year (laughs) happy new year share all your reading um resolutions with us at mnktalkya at gmail.com or facebook or instagram i'm always i'm like a big goal setter so i like to hear other people's brilliant ideas so i can mimic them me too. And I have a good feeling about this year. Yeah. I just do. Me too. Season three. Third time's the charm, right? This will be like our best season yeah. yet. Ooh. <laughs> okay, no pressure. <laughs> All right. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.